Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I'm Kristen Ledlow. I'm Candace Parker. And this is Ledlow and Parker. Kristen, it's been a tough week. I think across the world, I'm living in L.A. right now, and, you know, we've lost a legend in the sense that, yes, five championships, yes, on the court legacy, yes, one of the greats to ever play the game, but that's not what was on our mind, you know, when we first found out about the passing of Kobe Bryant. It was how much he let us in these last two years. It was the type of father that he was. It was the husband. It was showing that joy, making, making fun of himself. When he, when, he, when he gained weight after he retired and they posted pictures of him as a dad bod, him mentioning it on our show about how he had to get back in shape, it was that you felt like you knew somebody from the time they were 17 and you watched them grow up and grow into this happy individual that wanted to do for others, that had everything, but still wanted to do for, for others. And I know in L.A. it's been extremely hard these last, this last week. And like you said, it's all over the world. And I think one of the hardest parts for me, for you, for the men and women that we work with in this building, is watching the world grieve someone that we also knew and loved. So there's a, a weight of grief that can't be quantified. It's an impact. Because he's gone. Yep. Instead of talking about the end. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the beginning. Yep. Do you remember the first time you met Kobe? Do I remember the first time <laughs> I met Kobe Bryant? Well, let me, let me say this. I'm a Bulls. I've been a Bulls fan my entire life. And so I didn't grow up in LA, but the Lakers are rivals in a sense of the Bulls. You know, it's like you're either Bulls or you're Lakers. Right. You cannot be both. I grew up in Florida and was a Bulls fan. No, th <laughs> those were your options. It was, it was Bulls, at Lakers. Age, I mean, Boston yeah. Bulls, Lakers yeah. were kind of like the three. Right. But at our age and because of what was available to us exactly. on network television, those were your choices. And that's the choice. And so I was a Bulls fan. So when I got drafted in 08 out to L.A., I was a little skeptical because I was coming out into Laker, Lakerland playing in the Staples Center, sharing an arena with, with, with Shaq and Kobe. They built Staples. I mean, literally shovels and, and hard hats. They built Staples. And so I first, my first encounter with Kobe was in Beijing in the 2008 Olympics. And I'd heard so much about this, this guy, his work ethic, his mentality. And I remember the elevators opened 
We rode over on the plane with him, but my first real one-on-one encounter with him, the elevators opened and him and his beautiful family got off the elevator. And I had met him, you know, in passing, but no serious conversation. And he introduces me to his wife and his two girls. And he's like, you know, you see them, they're going to break all your records. (laughs) And he, he points at me and, you know, he does the eyebrow look. And I'm like, Kobe, for real? Like, she's two. Like, she can't even, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, she's two and she's six. Like, you can't, you can't make this up. And, and you know, she probably knew then too. Yes, exactly. The mentality. <laughs> and, and then later that same trip, we're complaining as the women's national team because the guys don't have to practice. But we did. And so we got on the bus and we're like, none of the guys are practicing. They don't have to do shoot around, nothing, da, da, da. We get there. Kobe's in a full lather, sweat. He's finishing up with spot shots. And I was like, that's why he's Kobe. He's the only one on the, in the gym. That's why he's Kobe. Yeah. What about you? The first time I met him, he had agreed to a sit-down interview on what was going to be the 10-year anniversary of him dropping 81. So it's 2016, his final season in the NBA. He's one of those bucket list interviews. You know, you think, oh, well, if I could sit down with Kobe Bryant, of course, he's one of the names that comes to mind first. And so he had agreed and I couldn't actually believe it. (laughs) And I get out to L.A. and I remember somebody from the team letting us know that he wasn't going to play in the game that night. And so I kind of thought, well, you know, at least I'm here and I get to to see the game and At this point, still, you know, four years ago, I'm still finding my footing with the network and and just feeling really privileged to get to walk into these kind of spaces. And so, again, I thought, even if he doesn't show up, because he at that point wasn't coming to the games that he wasn't playing in, I'm going to have a good night. Well, about an hour prior to our scheduled interview, somebody then from the team lets us know what he's on his way. And I remember kind of thinking, well, what? You know, I, I assumed, well, if he's not playing tonight, why is he? And I don't get nervous often. People ask all the time, you know, what's it like standing next to fill in the blank? Very rarely does one of these guys make me nervous or excited or, or feel like, okay, I've got to make sure that I have everything together because I'm sitting down with. And I felt that way that day. And he walked in and and he said, hi, I'm Kobe, as if I didn't know that that was his name. (laughs) And I said, hi, I'm Kristen, because I assumed he didn't know that was my name. I said, well, so are you playing tonight? And he said, no. And I was like, well, I didn't assume then that you would come to the arena. And he said, well, I had scheduled an interview with you. And I'm like, this is the reason that you showed up tonight just to do this with me? And it was jarring to me that this guy who, again, has no reason to show up to sit down with me, did anyway. That, to me, from day one of meeting him, summed up not just the kind of player, but the kind of person that he was. The added investment that he always felt was worth making. And he made some comment, I remember as well, about the shoes I was wearing. And he said, well, have you gotten the new Kobe's? And it's like, oh, well, do you know anybody? <laughs> and he jokingly, well, I thought jokingly, said, well, what size shoe do you wear? And I said it. And he walked out and he was like, all right, keep an eye out. 
And he must have told somebody on his team to reach out to our team to, because a box of Kobe's showed up at my house, at my home address. And again, just remember, think from the very first day that we met, like he had nothing to gain from this, but always gave. Always, always. And I think early on in his career, he didn't let people in, didn't let people know that. But I remember reading a quote, and this is a while ago, that he doesn't give, he invests. And when he sees something great, he wants to invest in that because he knows the hustle, he knows the heart, he knows the spirit. And I think that's what made him so special. And we're so lucky the last two years that he let us in and let us see the joy and let us see the growth. And you know, I'll, I'll tell this story. After the season this past year, he was one of the first two people or three people that reached out. You and said three like, because it, it may have been me also, yeah, you, right? You were you yeah, were in there. You reached out. I was so, it was <laughs> were, soon, but I was like, is it too soon? No, yeah. you were perfect. With your, <laughs> yes, I was like two or three people. But it's true. And he reached out and was like, you okay? And I remember being like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of taking bullets. I'm tired of always, like, I'm, I'm tired of it. Da, da, da. I'm tired of taking bullets. And him being like, that's what heroes do. Mm. So it's just the way in which he went about life, but also the way in which he just summed it up in, an, in a way that only Kobe could sum it up. He said things in, an, in a way that only Kobe could say things where you know what he's trying to say or what you think you should hear. But he just says it in a way that you remember every single word because you understand that there's very few people in this world that go through life and walk the walk and talk the talk. And he's one of them. This week was, we did the TNT show on Tuesday. And to be there, to be in that arena, and to witness a legacy, there's nothing like it. Do you have a favorite Kobe memory on or off the court? <sighs> it's tough, right? That's a tough question. I like to say that the past 20 years, the NBA has had Kobe and the Lakers. But the past four years, really two to three, the WNBA has had him. Yeah. And we talk about giving versus investing. He invested in women's basketball. He invested in the fact that he understood how long it took to perfect footwork and how long it took to master fadeaway jump shot. I mean, everybody brings up clips of Gigi the most impressive thing that she did was she coming down on the, on, with her right hand, faked her right shoulder and spun over her left and shot a fadeaway at 13. Yeah. There's grown men in the NBA that can't do that. Right. And that's investment. That's time. That's all that. And you can't explain it. I don't know. He just, he sees things and, and just adds his impact to it. And I think it makes, I mean, we know. You know how much Kobe's impact means to us and to our start. In our show. For him to agree to be the first guest on this podcast, I think to both of us was perhaps a bit shocking at first, right? He had nothing to base the success of this show on. He had no reason to think, this is going to be something. Allow me to be the first guest. There was no saying, oh, well, these three people have already done it. Thus, it's worth your time. But he reached out and said, 
you know, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And because of that, because of that investment, so many others have said yes. Because he said yes, because Kobe said yes, so many others said yes. And I think that that's another great way to sum up the legacy of the man. Whatever he found worth investing in, you then saw many, many others invest in as well. Thousand percent. A thousand percent. He gave time. Like, I don't think people understand, like, time is not... No, it, it was undoubtedly, and now we know it to be true, yeah. his most valuable asset. Mm -hmm. Someone who has it all. Mm -hmm. It's easy to give in other ways. Mm -hmm. But to invest his time... Yep. I mean... And you saw it with people with him showing up. I'll never forget I was on a plane on the way to Vegas and our owner gets a text. Kobe wants to bring his entire squad to the Las Vegas Aces Sparks season opener. And so this is like two hours before game time. Like, okay, give him the bench. So yeah. we're like, well, we'll if stand. he wants my seat, we he can stand. have my yes. seat. <laughs> but he's there and he's sitting there and he's talking to his girls. And he's showing them the game. I'm a huge believer in, you know, doing things the right way and trying to, to constantly improve and get better. And we saw him at 17. And The thing is, though, being the best in the world at a thing yep. affords you the luxury of saying no. Mm-hmm. Everyone can be on your time. Things can be done on your terms. And there's really no questions asked. But he didn't lean into that luxury. He continued to say yes. Continued to show up. And as you mentioned, maybe even more so in the years following his basketball career than in the 20 that we saw him on it. I remember then later that season... His final season, which, you know, so many laughed and joked about because it's like his entire career, they're asking him to pass the ball. And then in those final few games, it's like, no, just score, <laughs> get buckets, do what you do. It was maybe a week or two after that final game where he goes out and drops 60, which makes you wonder why he didn't maybe play a couple more. It's the preparation to get, we've had this conversation. Yeah. It's the preparation to get ready for yeah. every game. We asked him, would you come back? No, yeah, absolutely not. It's I was asked to sit down with him in a different capacity. This one wasn't for our network or to produce any content for NBA TV or TNT. Instead, it was, it was called A Night with Kobe Bryant. And the only people in the audience were die-hard Lakers fans. So this is a different kind of audience. I mean, these are the kind of people that when he walks in the room are crying. Mm -hmm. I had never witnessed something like that. I had never witnessed the effect of a person on a crowd the way that I witnessed it that evening. And I remember when I got the call uh, to, to host it, I legitimately asked if it was a mistake that I had been asked to host this seemingly very important event. Uh, you know, it was a little last minute, so maybe I was a fill-in. Either way, 
I, <laughs> I just killing. remember thinking, like, what? there's no way that I was supposed to sit next to him for this. Having been a basketball fan since I was four and watched this, experienced greatness from you for 20 years, and getting a chance to just sit here next to you in this moment is one of the most special moments of my life. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Kobe Bryant. Feeling the weight of that moment and looking at the way that that everyone that had just watched him play basketball for 20 years was impacted just by his presence in the room. It stirred in me something that hadn't been stirred up in my career up until that point. I had never cried in any interview, never wanted to make any moment about myself or whether or not I was a fan or whether or not I thought that that moment was a moment worth remembering. But I just remember thinking before we get up, I've got to thank him for being excellent in every facet for so long, for investing in the game that changed my life, changed your life, changed the lives of all these people I'm looking at that it's like, what, you're crying just because he walked in. Kristen, and I'll say this because I think, uh, I know the hashtag's gone around girl dad. And I know you have a sister, and your dad, in essence, is a girl dad. I have two brothers, but my dad's a girl dad. And growing up, I was told I can do everything. Yeah. I can do anything. I can do whatever I set my mind to. It gives you an irrational confidence. I have it as well. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It does, but it doesn't because it's the confidence you should have. And if anything is evident, especially with Kobe's legacy is the fact that he, one, was a girl dad, but two, he respected the fact that you could have confidence as an athlete. It wasn't a female athlete. It wasn't a male athlete. It was a confidence that you had to have that you put the work in. And because you've put the work in, you are supposed to be where you're at. And I remember being so taken aback the next day after he did our podcast and reaching out to him and telling him like, thank you so much for doing it. You don't understand how much he's like, you have to understand that there's a respect with you and Kristen and you guys are doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you should never apologize for that or never feel like you're out of place or not in a room that you should be in. And that's the thing is the fact that what I've learned from this entire thing and what everybody will tell you about Kobe is his confidence, he was confident because he did what he's supposed to do. He put in the work, he prepared, and then he went out and lived with the results. Did you send him that text right after the podcast? This is, yes, right after okay. the podcast. I waited like a week and a half because I'm like, <laughs> you can't send Kobe Bryant a text with typos or anything. Like I had to construct it in my mind. Yep. But again, just wanted to thank him because his investment in you and I, Without a doubt, our, our careers have, have been altered because of it. But his investment in our lives, I think, was far more significant. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and to me, it's great to judge somebody when they're winning championships. But the judgment, he tears his Achilles. He comes out on crutches and doesn't interview. He doesn't have to. He's Kobe Bryant. He could leave the arena. He doesn't interview. There's a lot of times where he's done, he's taken the high road. And that's the thing. I, I, I remember going off. He's like, 
first of all, after this past season, you take the high road publicly because that's what we do. We do that. And then you handle your family in private. And another question I remember asking him is I have struggles when I'm not shooting the ball good. I feel like I should do other things. I should pass. I should rebound more. I should do all these things. And, and I won't necessarily shoot the shots that I know I can make. Right. Yeah. And so my biggest question when we did our workout and we were working on footwork, building our house, I remember him saying, build your house. You start from this step and you go here. Kobe, when you're six of 27 from the field and you hit the game winning shot or you still take that shot in the fourth quarter, how do you do that? And he's like, because I've practiced this shot so many times that the next one has to go in. And that's the mentality. And I think that for me sums up who he is as an individual. You put the time in, you put the work in, you invest in your craft, you invest in others and you pay it forward. And I mean, to me, that's what he represents and what I'll try to continue his legacy doing. You know, it's easy to talk a lot about Kobe because we know him, we love him. We also want to remember, though, that there were nine people on that helicopter. Kobe's wife, Vanessa, has announced a fund to direct donations to the other families of the victims of that helicopter crash. And you guys can go to mambaon3.org to donate. Teams from around the league have honored Kobe Bryant with different tributes, some taking 24-second violations, some taking eight-second backcourt violations. And today we want to take eight seconds to remember him as well. As we mentioned, Ledlow and Parker started with Kobe Bryant. I don't think that either of us could believe that he had agreed to be our first guest. I remember, Candace, sitting in the back seat of a car with you. We had just finished calling a preseason game on in New TNT. York. In New York. And you showed me the text that said he had agreed to, to come on the show. And he was going to be our first guest. Yeah. <laughs> and everything that this show has done since has been because of his yes. So... We're going to leave you with some of our favorite moments from the first ever Ledlow and Parker featuring Kobe Bryant. If we were to list our first guest's resume in detail, it would take all of the time that we've been allotted to actually talk to him. So... Kobe Bryant, everybody. Kobe, thank you so much for taking the time. It's my pleasure. How you guys doing? We're, we're good. We're trying to figure out, though, how to turn our very first media project together into an Oscar win. And we figured you would be the guy to ask. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. We were like, just bring him in. We'll ask him how to get he it done. He can give us advice yes. on how to turn this <laughs> into something it. successful. Oh, that's funny. Well, while you were a player... Um, you did a lot of things, obviously, with your mindset. Uh, there were a number of times after games where you were shooting thousands and thousands of shots because maybe you missed a game winner or, or things like that. How does that translate into you now coaching as well as developing this Mamba mentality at your Mamba Sports Academy? Well, you know, the, 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 the hardest part about the coaching and developing the Sports Academy is having to go back to the beginning. And like think through uh, the process 
of how to improve as a player. Um, and then understanding the connectivity between improving as a player and growing as a person, because it's very important as a coach to be able to make those connections for, for uh, not just for my daughter, but for um, her teammates. And so going back and saying, all right, we have a lot of time. Can't throw everything at these kids at once. I'm just going to teach them incrementally. This month we work on this. Next month we work on this. For the whole year, this is our goal. And then you just develop them over a period of time. So that's what I've had to do, you know, and just go back to when I was 10, 11 years old. What was, what was I learning? Because, well, both Candace and I have been 10 or 11-year-old girls playing basketball, but neither of us have ever been 10 or 11-year-old girls playing basketball for Kobe Bryant. <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit different, right? Well, I mean, but like generationally, like they don't know. You know what I mean? Like they, they know of my name and so forth and so on, but they were too young to ever really see me who, you know what I mean? So it's not like, you know, it's it's a it, it it was a big deal when we first started because you know their parents uh, you know grew up with me and watching and so forth and so on. But like for them as kids, like they don't they don't know. You know, it's just uh, you know they just know I, I used to be great at playing basketball and now I'm their coach. Obviously, one of the reasons why we wanted to have you as our first guest, you are Kobe Bryant, obviously. Yeah, but that was the main yeah, reason. Yeah, that was the main reason. There but were other reasons, though. But yeah. secondly, <laughs> I, we wanted this podcast to be about more than just basketball. We wanted it to be about culture, about just outside of the game. And so we would love to know, now that you're retired playing, what is your day-to-day life uh, look like right now? Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty consistent, and I love it. Like I, I'll get up at um, four to four thirty in the morning. <laughs> wait, and, wait, you said wait, pretty consistent. On. Hold on, time hang out. on, hang on. <laughs> so is it for you? Right. Or? <laughs> so nobody is requiring you to be up at four in the morning, and you're choosing to be up at four in the morning. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. So, like, when I retired, I put on quite a bit of weight, and it was fun, and I enjoyed every minute of it. But yeah. then it was like, all right, I got to get back in shape. I got kids to chase around and things like that. Like, I got to, you know, I can't be that dad, you know what I mean, in carpool that looks like I swallowed <laughs> coke, you know what I mean? Like, I can't. So I, it's the only time for me to get up and really get that work in is, like, 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning. So I get up really early. I go to the gym. I do my work. And then I, uh, I take Gigi to school. And then I come to the office. And, you know, I write. I edit. You know, we build. And, uh, and then from there, it's pickup time and uh, home, spend time with my babies, you know, Capri and BB. And uh-huh. then it's basketball practice. And then uh, depending on the night, you know, it's date night for me and Vanessa or it's home and just chilling with the family and eating dinner. So that, that's what the day looks like. And you're not only coaching your girls, you're still investing in this generation of NBA players with the Mamba Sports Academy. We didn't know anything about it until after it had already happened. I want to know why you thought it was valuable to do that and, well, how it went and who stood out. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's always fun, um, you know, to give back. You know, like I've had a lot of mentors that mentored me throughout um, throughout my career, you know, Michael being one of them. Um, but there were several others that really took me under their wing and showed me the ropes. And so it's important for me to pass that along. And so to do this invitational was, uh, was fun. We had a great time doing it. You guys came and, you know, we worked. We went over things, you know, in, uh, in, in specific detail. And you know, we look forward to doing some more. And Candace has told me that perhaps there's something in the works with the women of the game. 
yeah, no, that we're we're definitely doing that. We're just trying to work work out exactly how to go about doing it. But um, I am more passionate about the women's game than I am about the men's game. Um, Wait, say far, that say I, that I again, like, Kobe. Yeah, say that you again. You can't see Candace dancing <laughs> right now. Say it again so she can keep this well, little no, bit. It's, yeah. not, it's not even close. I mean, our, our mission, our primary focus is the women's game. I mean, we just feel like you know the men's game has enough attention as it is, and the women's game is such a beautiful game. There's so many talented young players coming out. That it's important to get them out there to help them learn the game more, to publicize the game more. Um, so our, our primary mission is the women's game. You know, it's interesting. The NBA used different models to grow the game of basketball. I mean, obviously now in the age of social media, we're able to fall in love with players' stories and get to know them. What would be your advice in doing the same thing with the women's to growing the WNBA and making it be in every household? Well, I think if you look at storytelling as a whole, as it relates to uh, to athletes, you know, the storytelling now has become more of uh, where did you grow up? You know, what was your upbringing? Uh, what were some of the adversity that you had to face? And that's all fine and, and good. But I think what we need to do is make the stories more fun, more engaging. And that's where I think the women's game should be picked up is that if you go back to the days where the NBA was getting ready to take off, what did you have? You had Air Jordan, you had George the Iceman Gerving, you had Moses Malone imposing you know, on a poster as if he's Moses. You know, There's a lot of fun hero marketing things that can be done that I would love to see happen in the women's game because then it adds an element of fun, an element of entertainment, while also understanding the style of play of that particular player that you may gravitate to. You know what I mean? Round, mound, and rebound. Yep. You know what I mean? Magic Johnson. There are certain elements to the game to make it more fun and make it more appealing while learning about the player. And that's what I would love to see happen. You may or may not remember this, but Candace was telling me about a voicemail you left her her rookie <laughs> season. There was what, a symphony there element. Was a symphony CP. element. It was you'll know when it's your time to come forward and play your solo. I mean, it was <laughs> it was everything. I remember I had it for as long as blackberries were allowed to, <laughs> right. to carry voice notes. But it really was inspirational. And I understand that you really take the game of basketball serious. I've had the opportunity to work out with you a number of times and you know, even last year at this time and just seeing how serious and how you kind of make other players relate to the game outside of basketball. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the, the, the connectivity that exists between the game and life, they can't be separated. You know, they're, they're absolutely one and the same. And, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll look at development as a player and just look at it from the skills perspective but not look at it, look at it from the emotional growth perspective and understanding the connectivity between improving on a jab step and doing the same jab step, you know, a thousand different ways, a thousand different times and how that connects to you improving as a person on a day-to-day basis or how to deal with the fact that you may miss four or five shots in a row. You know, the ability to deal with that doesn't come from the basketball court. It comes from your emotional stability and security as a person. So how do you connect those dots? Um, And to learn those things, you got to look in other areas uh, not just basketball. You got to look at classical music. You got to look at nature. You got to look at other people in different industries and how they're handling certain things. There's a lot of different ways to look at it. In essence, the world must become your library. So, did you take tap dancing classes to improve your footwork? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny, man? You know what's funny? Like we're 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 literally um, organizing our home right now, and so you know, like 
anybody with a home, you start getting clutter and stuff like that. So we're kind of organizing everything. And sure enough, I found my tap sheet. <laughs> no, that's the I best. Did. Yep. Yep. My wow. size 14 tap shoes. Is, though, the voicemail that you left, Candace, the most unique motivating tool? Have you come up with anything more interesting since then when it comes to a rookie in either the NBA or the WNBA? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I like to, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's just, um, I don't know. I'm just weird. I, I mean, it just sounds like a normal way to communicate, but you know, I, don't. <laughs> I love the metaphors. Right, but but what's coming. normal for you is not normal for others. That's why you're Kobe Bryant exactly. and the others are the ones watching. So for you, or, it may or, be a very normal way of communicating, but it's not normal to others. And, and that's why it's yeah, so fascinating to have the opportunity to get into your mind. Yeah, that just makes me very weird. That's <laughs> <all>. <laughs> or that. It could just be that. <laughs> well, for the first time since you retired, the people of L.A. feel that kind of excitement surrounding the game of basketball again. What are your thoughts on this battle for L.A.? Not only being a battle for L.A., but perhaps for an NBA title. Man, it's awesome. Man, are you kidding me? Like, this is, as a competitor, it'd be a competitor's dream to participate in something like that. I mean, this is, it's fun. And I'm enjoying it just like everybody else. Okay, let me ask you one question. If you're guaranteed a ring, you're guaranteed a ring to come back and play, would you yeah, Would come you come on. back and play? What, you're if you guaranteed a win. You knew you'd bring no. another chance. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. I, I, I like I like my rings the hard way. Like, I like fighting through them and earning them that way. I don't I don't like the, you know, the jump into the easier route. Like so, I wouldn't take it. I'm not surprised. That, that's I'm not, not surprised surpri- either. So you think surprised. what's going on perhaps in LA now, the easier route? Well, I mean, you, you can pick a team in LA. It seems like it would be the easier route. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both teams, both teams are great, but you know, you got you got some great teams around the league too that are playing well. But I, what I'm more fascinated to see is how um, the coaching brings this collection of talent together. Like, what system are they using? How are they developing throughout the course of the season? Um, because on paper, you have a lot of teams that look good and a lot of duos that look good. Um, but now systematically you got to figure out how you're going to execute as a team, what's your personality going to be as a team, and how you're going to progress through that throughout the course of the year, how you're going to manage injuries, and all those kind of variables that, that can win or lose you a championship. You also have some great insight as to who has that Mamba mentality. We've done our best not only to figure it out, but to capture it somehow as you're watching the game. Now it's back. Who is it that has it? Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot. It's funny, like this generation of, of players that are, are coming up now um, um, that have uh, kind of watched me growing up. Because, um, you know, you know, there was a shift where like when MJ was playing, guys weren't really buddy-buddy with each other. And then, like, my generation, me, AI, I mean, we weren't buddy-buddies with each other when we were playing. You know, we're, we become close over the years. But then there's the next generation that was kind of like everybody kind of grew up together, playing AAU basketball, everybody's buddy-buddy, everybody works out together. And now there's been, like, a big shift where, like, Giannis is like, no, nah, I'm not here to be your best friend. <laughs> you know, yeah. James is like, listen, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk to you. You know, it, it, and it's become kind of 
more competitive and more combative. Uh, the series between Philly and the Celtics last year, it's like two teams that genuinely don't like each other. Um, so there's, there's quite a few athletes with this newer generation that kind of has that, that mentality. Kobe, you have chosen to invest both in Candace and I uniquely. Any final words of advice for this project that we're launching together, what would they be? I think uh, uh, continuing to touch on um, the person that makes the athlete and the athlete that makes the person. I think there's content like that is, is this doesn't exist out there too much because everybody wants to do the silly superficial stuff, but you guys have a great knack of digging a little deeper and making it entertaining and making it sound fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching you guys uh, dominate the podcast space. We're not Damn. crying. We're, yeah, we're <laughs> not. We're not crying. <laughs> Thank you, Thank Kobe, you. so much for that. You got it. For you and for taking the time to join us. <laughs>